0: An Introduction to the Corpus Hermeticum by John Michael Greer from The Rosicrucian Beacon, Volume 15, Number 3, June 2006. Environmentalist and hermetic scholar and practitioner John Michael Greer presents the context of the Renaissance rediscovery of the Corpus Hermeticum as well as its contents and the significant role it played in the struggle for freedom of thought and mystical practice.
1: The 15 tractates of the Corpus Hermeticum, along with the Perfect Sermon, or Asclepius, are the textual foundation of the Hermetic tradition. Written by unknown authors in Egypt, sometime before the end of the 3rd century of the Common Era, they were part of a once-substantial literature attributed to the mythic figure of Hermes Trismegistus, a Hellenistic fusion of the Greek god Hermes and the Egyptian god Thoth. This literature came out of the same religious and philosophical ferment that produced Neoplatonism, Christianity, and the diverse collection of teachings, usually lumped together under the label Gnosticism, a ferment which had its roots in the impact of Platonic thought on the older traditions of the Hellenized East. There are obvious connections and common themes linking each of these traditions, although each had its own answer to the major questions of the time. The treatises we now call the Corpus Hermeticum were collected into a single volume in Byzantine times and a copy of this volume survived to come into the hands of Lorenzo de' Benici's agents in the 15th century. Marsilio Ficino, the head of the Florentine Academy, was pulled off the task of translating the Dialogues of Plato in order to translate the Corpus Hermeticum into Latin first. His translation was printed in 1463, And it was reprinted at least 22 times over the next century and a half. The treatises divide up into several groups. The first, chapter one, the Poimandres, is the account of a revelation given to Hermes Trismegistus by the being Poimandres, an expression of the universal mind. The next eight, chapter two through nine, the general sermons are short dialogues or lectures discussing various basic points of Hermetic philosophy. There follows the key, chapter 10, a summary of the general sermons, and after this a set of four tractates, Mind unto Hermes, About the Common Mind, The Secret Sermon on the Mountain, and The Letter of Hermes to Asclepius, chapter 11 through 14, touching on the more mystical aspects of Hermeticism. The collection is rounded off by the definitions of Asclepius unto King Ammon, chapter 15, which may be composed of three fragments of longer works. The Corpus Hermeticum landed like a well-aimed bomb amid the philosophical systems of late medieval Europe. Quotations from the Hermetic literature by the Church Fathers, who were never shy of leaning on pagan sources to prove a point, accepted a traditional chronology, which dated Hermes Trimus Justus as an historical figure to the time of Moses. As a result, the Hermetic tractates, borrowing from her Jewish scripture and Platonic philosophy, were seen in the Renaissance as evidence that the Corpus Hermeticum had anticipated and influenced both. The Hermetic philosophy was seen as a primordial wisdom tradition identified with the wisdom of the Egyptians mentioned in Exodus and lauded in Platonic dialogues such as the Timaeus. It therefore served as a useful club in the hands of intellectual rebels who sought to break the stranglehold of Aristotelian scholasticism on the universities at this time. It also provided one of the most important weapons to another major rebellion of the age. The attempt to re-establish magic as a socially acceptable spiritual path in the Christian West. Another body of literature attributed to Hermes Trimagistus was made up of astrological, alchemical, and magical text. If, as the scholars of the Renaissance believed, Hermes was an historical person who had written all these things, and if church fathers had quoted his philosophical works with approval, and if those same works could be shown to be wholly in keeping with some definitions of Christianity, then the whole structure of magical hermeticism could be given a second-hand legitimacy in a Christian context. Of course, this didn't work, and the radical redefinition of Western Christianity that took place in the Reformation and Counter-Reformation hardened doctrinal barriers the point that people were being burned in the 16th century for practices that were considered evidence of devoutness as recently as the 14th century. The attempt, though, made the language and concepts of the Hermetic tractates central to much of post-Medieval magic in the West.